Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Pink Moon Politics. So I've been getting a lot of feedback, and you guys seem to like the whole like conversational, talking to other people kind of vibe, I guess. So I think I'm going to stick to that. I think I'm going to do more of those, which do mean my episodes are going to be a little bit longer. But of course, you can always put it in double speed, break it up into chunks. I just think it's really cool um, to have Gen Z, you know, the younger kids, um, have a voice in this community and talk about certain issues. And so I hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, so here's my promised Asian American History Month episode. So I'm well aware our month has passed, but I still wanted to put this episode out. So I'm here with my good friend, Caitlin. Hi. And we're both Indian. Y'all, I know her name might confuse you, but we wanted to discuss our history in America, the challenges we face in society now, and some important conversations that we both feel like it's very important for us to have right now. Right. So as Indians in this country, we've noticed a lot growing up that we were always told to like, keep our head down, don't say anything, you know, even if people told us that we smell like curry, (laughs) they were like, oh, all Indians are hairy or something like that. We were just supposed, we were just told, you know, just be quiet, just take the hit. It doesn't really matter. Like, choose your fights wisely. Like, these don't really matter. Yeah, because it was, like, normalized, right? Like, the racism tour. Exactly. It was, like, commentary, like, oh, you smell bad, you, um, you know, Indians this, curry this. And so it was, like, if we ever said anything, we were, like, hey, that's offensive. That's kind of racist. People would be, like, oh, like, you can't take a joke. I was like, what? Exactly. See, like, everything that was normalized, like, all of these racist insults against us, any time, like, we would want to call someone out for it, um, it was just, like, painted off as a joke. Everyone was just like, oh, it's a joke. And I feel like that's, like, a lot of how Asian racism is today because we see that, like, every time an Asian is made fun of, oh, it's just a joke, it's not a big deal, but then after a certain point, when you hear these things over and over, it becomes a lot more than just a joke. Right, especially right now with COVID, I mean, we've both seen firsthand just awful racism towards people of Chinese descent in this country, like, even at our school, people will make jokes to other Chinese students, and, you know, they'll pass it off as, it's just a, it's just a joke, like, why are you taking it so seriously? But, like, these things exactly. translate. Like, there have been so many hate crimes that have been committed towards East Asians, especially now. And so, like, it's important that we talk about it. And even, like, growing up, it's like you never hear anything about Asians or Indians in school, like, East Asians or South Asians in school. Um, we're not in the media ever. There's, like, barely any actors. You know what I mean? Like, you're either compared to, like, Apu yeah. Simpson or Kelly Kapoor from The Office. Those are your two choices. Exactly. Like, Um, Even as an Asian American myself, I was astounded by how little I actually knew about like Asian Americans in this country, how they came here, how they were treated, because we just don't learn about it. It's not. Yeah, we very we whitewash all of our history and like we've literally never learned about any of this in school. So we hope that teach you guys some new things about maybe your own heritage or about someone else's. So I wanted to start with the model minority myth because I've been hearing a lot about this on social media. And I think it's an important conversation that we have at home as well, because, you know, let me just go ahead and like talk about what it is. So, right. Um, 
the model minority myth is like the narrative that generalizes Asians into being polite, law-abiding minority group who makes a lot of money and all have high levels of education. So, I mean, that seems pretty. The scariest outcome of this is that it further pushes uh, the racist rhetoric. The whole idea behind, hey, look at these Asian kids. They're so successful despite being a minority was literally created to further continue the oppression of African-Americans in this country. It solidified a prevailing stereotype of Asians as industrious and rule-abiding that would stand in direct contrast to African-Americans who were still struggling against bigotry, poverty, and a history rooted in slavery. It sort of drives a wedge between us almost, uh, especially now with the rising COVID-related hate crimes, the Asian community was looking at the African-American community for support. Uh, Actually, support from anyone who would have been nice, honestly. Yeah, because, like, you're... We often forget that, you know, when we came to this country, we had to come already educated. You know what I mean? Like, it was like the best people from that side of the world gets to come here. And so the reason that we're even at the level that we are is because, you know, people back then want Americans wanted to bring Asians to the country so they can be like, hey, look, look at how successful these Asian people are. They're a minority just like you. Why can't you do it while continuing to further oppress African-Americans? So it was like they purposely brought us here to drive a wedge between minorities. And, you know, the model minority myth, it also just tells Asians to keep their mouths shut and keep going and not complain about anything. Yeah, exactly. Like speaking out and fighting for justice is very anti, polite and quiet. And it goes against what we're supposed to be in society. But um, back to the point with the BLM movement, a lot of uh, Asians were standing against the black community. Right. And it was like kind of sad to see it on social media and even like people that you personally know, because, you know, it was the whole like they didn't help us. So why should we fight for them? But the modern minority myth is so ingrained in our community that we, too, forget the magnitude of oppression faced by the black community. Like our struggles are like, you know, not even comparable to the police brutality and the killings that their community has faced. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think that we need to be knowledgeable that we're not trying to compare our struggles or make this, like, a competition for oppression. I think that it's really important, like, especially now in these times, like, these harsh times for both communities, that it's better that we unite and stand up for one another rather than trying to compete with who's more oppressed or who has it harder. Right. And it's really and the reason we wanted to bring up this model minority myth is that it's really, really important for you guys to get that way of thinking out, especially right now. Like, it's very wrong to think, well, my family came from nothing, you know, came to India from India and they're doing so successful. So why can't these people do it? Like, there's so much more that goes into it. And it's not fair to speak like that. Exactly. It just further continues the oppression. Yeah. And so, so another um, point that we wanted to address was that I feel like, again, a lot of the time in history class, like we really don't know anything about how Asians were brought to this country, how they were treated, things like that. So throughout history, pretty much Asians have faced discrimination um, in this country in order to enter it. And I feel like it's often overlooked, mostly because it's not really part of the history books. Uh, But there have been several laws starting from the 19th century that legally allow harsh discrimination against Asian immigrants. Uh, For starters, um, when the Chinese immigrants first came here, Asian workers were uh, given extremely harsh working environments for very little pay, such as mines and railroads and things like that. Um, 
And then we fast forward to 1882, there was um, actually an act called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which restricted Chinese labor immigration for 10 years. And so even though that was 1882, and we're like, oh, that was like, that was really long ago. Then we fast forward to the 20th century, again, in 1902, the Chinese exclusion extended for another 10 years. So we see that the Chinese people faced a lot of discrimination. They actually had an entire act called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which worked completely against them. And I also wanted to highlight one more thing is that Asian workers, um, they worked a lot for very little pay. And this can actually be reflected in modern society because a lot of um, Chinese immigrants and Asian immigrants who come here and they take up jobs such as research um, or jobs like that, a lot of them tend to be overworked for little pay and they just don't say much because, again, that's very ingrained in our Asian Right. Taught to believe. And, like, the whole, even back then, like, in the 1870s when, like, we had one of our great, like, one of the depressions, the depressions of, um, of 1876, it was the same thing. It was they're taking away our jobs and there was like violence all across the West Coast. And the same thing happened again in 1902. And you can still see that even now, the whole they're taking our jobs rhetoric, um, turning into hate crimes towards certain groups of people, which is really sad. And um, you would think you would learn from history, but also you don't learn this mm-hmm. in history. So um, and then, yep. you know, specifically for Indians, there was um Canada had an immigration act, which restricted the number of Indians coming into the country in 1910. And so most Indians then went to California. And when they migrated to California, there was like a really bad, like negative stigma around them. They just, people hated Indians. And so in 1907, there were a lot of crimes that were committed against Indians. And one specific thing was called the Bellingham riots of, um, 1907 and so it it happened in Bellingham Washington United States and basically like a mob about of like 500 white men um they try they literally kicked eight Indians out of their houses and they beat them on the street they took all their money you know um so many Indians were hospitalized it was it was crazy and um most of the Indians were Sikhs um, but they were labeled as Hindus. Like there was a whole thing called like the tide of the turbans and um, people called it the Hindu invasion. Like they were so angry that Indians were coming to the country um, that they literally beat them on the street. And so a lot of Indians, like they escaped Washington and then they moved and the riots just moved with them. They, you know, continued in California and Vancouver, um, so many places and not a single participant of any of this mob violence was ever prosecuted or um, arrested. And I had not even heard of the Bellingham riots until a couple of days ago when I was researching, which I find is like so surprising that we never talked about this in school or anything. Yeah, exactly. Like um, it's the same was for me. Like, so in 1922, um, Takao Ozawa versus the U.S. basically declared that Jap- Japanese um, immigrants were ineligible for naturalized citizenship. And then in 1923, in U.S. versus Bhagat Singh, um, it declared that Indians were ineligible for naturalized citizenship. And I also did not know that this was a thing, like until a couple days ago when I was researching, because we have never talked about this because even I used to like ask my mom like I was always curious like what were Indians doing here in the 20th century I just had no idea 
um, the kind of suppression that they faced right um, back then. And it was like by 1924, with like the exception of Filipinos, all Asian immigrants, including Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, and Indians, were fully excluded by law. They were denied citizenship and naturalization, and they were even prevented from marrying Caucasians or even owning land. So it was like it was it was really bad. And so um, they started all with all other Asians excluded. That's when like a lot of Filipinos started moving in big numbers to the West Coast in the 20s, 1920s, which is why you can still see a very high population in California. Yeah. So one of the big parts of history that is often overlooked is um, so after the Japanese bombing at Pearl Harbor in 1941, um, we see these Japanese um these Japanese uh, Americans being put into internment camps. And so this order was actually signed by Roosevelt. A lot of people think it was signed by Truman, but it was actually signed by Roosevelt. And basically it, the treatments in these camps were awful because they were completely surrounded by barbed wire and there were soldiers with guns completely surrounding all the camps. And because all of these Japanese um, people in the internment camps were so close together, it was riddled with all kinds of infectious diseases. And so basically, who, if you were a Japanese American, you were immediately seen as an enemy of the government. And so the weird thing is that like, no one ever traced down people of German or Italian descent. They only traced down people of Japanese descent because their features are obviously a lot more noticeable. And so here is another example of how you can see that people with a European descent, white people tended to have more privilege than people of Asian descent. Right. So then in 1946, finally, the U.S. grants naturalization and small immigration quotas to Indians and Filipinos and other um, Asian minority groups. And then um, so a lot of uh, the history that we've been talking about so far has been very negative. Um, but there are some positives because in 1989, uh, George Bush grants $20,000 to surviving Japanese-American internees who were in the internment camps during World War II. So I feel like this was something that I didn't even know about, but um, I think that the U.S. has since then tried to... Um, tried to try to like repair all the damage they've done by throwing money at it like America often does. Um, exactly. But like even in the late 1980s, there was like this huge um, hate group in um, New Jersey and there was anti-Indian hate group and they called themselves the Dot Busters. Like that is so racist on so many levels. Oh my God. Anyway, they call themselves the Dot Busters and they targeted, threatened, and viciously beat Indians until they were in a coma or died and suffered brain damage. Like so upsetting. And um, this was a late 1980s. Like, are, you know what I mean? Like, our parents were alive at this time. Like, some of, you know, someone listening yeah. might have actually been in America at this time. And it was, like, 1980s and this kind of stuff was allowed. It's insane. Um, and it's so sad. And, you know, especially right now, I think it's very important for us to remember that a huge win for us was the civil rights movement. Because the United States immigration laws that kind of remain discriminatory towards Asians until 1965, when in response to the civil rights movement, 
a lot of non-restrictive and annual quotas of like 20,000 immigrants per country was established. So that was the first time in United States history that um, large numbers of Asians were able to come to the United States as families. So we owe a lot to the civil rights movement for us to be here. You know what I mean? Like um, the civil rights movement didn't just fight for, you know, one minority group. They were fighting for us too to get into this country as well. So we owe a lot to them. And I feel like, especially right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, we should be with them fighting as well. And like uh, the other day I saw like there was an uncle um, who was beaten by the cops and he's like in a coma now. They have like a GoFundMe page and a um, petition for him. And he was like literally beaten and, you know, suffers brain damage. It was like this old uncle. It was so sad. And um, the I think if you look up on the internet, it's like justice for Patel uncle or something like that. And so, and you know, the, the reason this happened was because the cop thought he was a black man. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, that is so sad. It just shows like also like the colorism of like being a darker skinned person in general in America, the treatment that they receive is, awful exactly and so like it's so important for us to notice that like right now I mean Asians don't face the kind of discrimination that we did a long time ago because the discrimination we did a long time ago is not deep rooted in major establishments and things like that as like slavery and racism towards African Americans is um but it's still important that we're being targeted because if we are ever targeted, it's because we look like a black man, which just goes to prove how hard it is to be a black man in this country. You know what I mean? And we need to be Mm -hmm. there helping as well, because this is affecting us too. Yes, exactly. And like, it's just wrong that I think, especially now that like all these minorities are like pitted against each other and not helping each other. We all have like one common enemy and I think we all need to be like together to fight it. Um, Because it's just this is it's like oh you know you guys started COVID and then the other people are like oh you guys are doing all these riots well it's like no you know what I mean it's important that we listen to each other and figure out where that miscommunication is and I really just do think it's because of this model minority myth uh yeah I completely agree like um nowadays especially during COVID, we're seeing so much um, Asian racism. And I feel like it's really easy to point the finger at other communities and say like, like, well, they're doing this. Why are you blaming us for this? I just feel like it's really important that we all unite and we all help each other. Because another news story that wasn't really covered that I actually didn't really hear about um, until I saw a post about it um, on social media was that there is a man that actually stabbed an Asian family because he believed that they had coronavirus. And this is a serious hate crime. Like that family had two children and this was barely talked about. And I just feel like a lot of the times it's because like, we'll see it and we'll be like, oh, that's so sad. But then we don't want to go out of our way to spread awareness about it. Because again, this all traces back to that deep rooted, um idea from our childhood that we should just keep our head down and not fight back right exactly because it's like you know even if you if you want to like speak out against something it's like no no you're gonna get in trouble like don't do that like you know keep your head down it's okay it's not that big of a deal we're gonna continue but like how long are we supposed to continue with things like this like the amount of hate crimes towards asians has skyrocketed with corona you see it all the time i saw a video of two um teenagers literally like 
kick an elderly Asian woman in the face for Corona. She, he was like, you, you're the, you're the reason we have Corona. And he literally just kicked an Asian woman in the face. And I was like, why is this not on major news networks? Like this needs to be broadcasted that this is happening and it's awful. And even like people that we live near are making like subtle Asian racism jokes and posting it on social media and they're not facing any like issues because people are like, it's a joke. You need to get over it. But these jokes are what are translating into serious hate crimes that can take someone's life. Exactly. And it's, and it's pretty, pretty upsetting. And so I, I really wish people would talk more about it, but we hope we're doing that through this. So exactly. And like, I just wanted everyone to be aware that like what she just said is when we start normalizing these small acts of racism, it begins to manifest into much bigger things. Like the amount of times I've heard people down here say the N word, the racial slur for black people, or the C word, the racial slur for Chinese people. It is so sad because once you start doing these small acts of racism, it'll start becoming more deep rooted into you. And then it becomes something much bigger down the line. Exactly. And it's that whole, it's the same thing when you call someone out for being, you know, for saying something like that or making a joke about um, Asian people, it's like, you're called, oh, you're too soft. Like, you know, you need to toughen up. Like, this is just a joke, but it's really not, especially when there are people dying because of these stupid ideas that your joke is, um, I don't know, like spreading, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not the time for stupid jokes right now. Um, It's really offensive. And I know many of my friends, um, East Asian friends who have been seriously offended about um, the amount of racism and like, comments and derogatory things that have been said to them because of Corona. And it's exactly it's awful. And I really I just ugh, it makes me so angry that no one is getting in trouble for it or anything like that because it's been so normalized. Even on like TikTok, like it's such a big platform and it's like social media, but like mm-hmm. the kind of comments that are left on like TikToks that I make or like other Asian creators make and it's like how is this even allowed? You know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly cuz it I mean there was this one boy he was an Indian boy who was just singing on TikTok and he had a beautiful voice, but all of the comments were calling him Balji, like, oh, look, Balji. Right? Yeah. Like, that's not okay. That's, you should, he was a really talented person, but the only thing everyone seemed to be able to focus on was his skin color and him being Indian. And it really took away from the fact that he had this beautiful exactly. voice. And you even like see it with like people making jokes, like take away their Wi-Fi. And like they like take India, like Indian TikTok and then they'll make fun of the videos that are being on Indian TikTok. And I've seen it s- same with like TikTok China, TikTok Korea, like all the other platforms in different countries. You see Americans making fun of their culture. And I'm like, your humor and the kind of humor that works in their countries is completely different. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Like they're like, how do people find this funny? This is so embarrassing. And they're like making fun of them. And I was like, why can't you just let people live? And the worst part is that it's normal. People see that video and they're like, what's wrong with it? You know what I mean? Exactly. And I was like, there's something wrong here. And no one like wants to speak up. And because automatically we're like, oh, you're being overdramatic. But it's like, seriously, like, really racist things like you know imitating our language or imitating um the way we look to get views and so sad 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, no one is saying not to make jokes. Like, making jokes can really help people get through times that are really tough, just like this one. But if you have to resort to racist jokes, then you need to find other because that's just not okay because putting these small racist jokes in people's minds will eventually make them actually become racist and that is not what we want yeah it's not humor if it's at the expense of another person's like culture and their way of living like that's not humor that's just rude so i mean i feel like we need to as a society move away from that kind of humor it's like oh it's dark humor but i'm like no like making jokes about beating Asians on the street and like the way what they eat and the way they smell the deodorant jokes like that's not funny it just like it you know it's really it's really sad when you're young and you see all these things being said about your culture and you think there's something wrong with it or that you really do smell or you really probably you know smell like curry or are really hairy and you grow up with a lot of insecurities and so I feel like it's so wrong and we need to just move past that kind of humor All right, so I have to do the policies at the end of every episode, so I'm going to go ahead and start. So we have Biden and Trump, right? And so I'm not going to really focus on third party. You can research that on your own, but with the two-party system that we do have, it's very important to go out and vote. And so more than likely, the people that are listening right now are probably going to either vote Biden or Trump. So with Biden... Um, The Obama-Biden administration appointed more Asian-American Pacific Islander judges than all previous administrations combined. And they also encouraged AAPI, just Asian-American Pacific Islander, um, hiring in senior staff positions. And so Joe Biden also said that he will nominate and appoint federal officials and judges who look the rest of America, which is why he wants to put more Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders um, in jobs uh they often face language barriers and like cultural barriers that reduce um their accessibility to health care and so as president joe said that he will provide high quality universal pre-kindergarten for all three and four-year-olds and he'll also trip um triple title one fundings which basically goes to schools serving a high number of children from low-income families he'll provide community college and other high quality training programs without um any debt for any hardworking members of the AAPI community. Um, they also added, which I absolutely love this, the, Ob- the Obama-Biden administration added anti-Sikh and anti-Hindu to the Department, Justice, um, the Department of Justice's hate crime reporting categories, which we didn't have that before. We didn't have a category where hate crimes towards Sikhs or Hindus were given their own category and now because of them we do, which I think is awesome. And they also provided resources and worked with local leaders to combat bullying directed towards us. And this one, especially the climate crisis continues to threaten AAPI communities, particularly Pacific Islander communities. And so with the plans that he has for climate, the climate crisis and um, the Green New Deal that he's proposing, that will really help our communities that are near the islands. And so all this information was taken straight from Biden's website. So I literally will just look up, go to their individual websites and look up what they stand for and what their plans are. And so I then went to Trump's website and um, I looked up Trump and Asians. And the first thing that popped up was the rising rate of hate crimes against Asians due to Trump's word choice, calling it the Kung flu, which is very racist, but um, whatever. 
So I went on his site and there's no information at all. Like none on what he plans to accomplish. Um, There is a page where you can text a number to be part of his like coalition. So then I had to look somewhere else. Um, So another article I found said that Trump throughout his time in president, uh, throughout his time in office, President Trump has promoted the success of Asian American and Pacific Islander communities through tax cuts, regulatory reform, and protection from the coronavirus outbreak. That's coming from his treasury secretary. Um, He has uplifted Americans of all backgrounds through his vision to rebuild our country. And I encourage every American to work to reelect the president in November. So this is the quote from his treasury secretary. So um, he doesn't like, he hasn't specifically targeted growth for Asian Americans, but they do benefit from the economic plans under Trump. So, I mean, I searched for so long and this was the best I could find. Um, so if anyone listening to this has more information they'd like to add, please let me know. I'm all ears, but that's all I could find for Trump and Biden. So now, you know, where our candidates stand, um, in terms of Asian American and Pacific Islander policies and, you know, to help them in our community. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else to say or should we wrap it up? Um, I think that's it. That's everything. All right. right, Well, to wrap it up, I hope you had a great time listening and that you learned something new today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Pink Moon Politics on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, um, please be sure to share this with your friends and family because that would just be awesome. And if you could also contact me, like feel free to contact me um, with some feedback on this kind of format of recording maybe I was thinking we could do like debates in the future I don't know so let me know how you feel about it and I just hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day and bye